Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. If there's American citizens left, we're going to stay till we get them all out. This town, this state, this country takes care of our own. Leave nobody behind. Giving everyone a fair shot. Leaving nobody behind. Then we do take care of our own. Then we leave nobody behind. To help everyone in need. Look out for one another. Leave nobody behind. But we will leave no one behind. It's what America's all about. It's about pulling together, leaving nobody behind. Giving hate no safe harbor. And leaving no one behind. Reweaving that social fabric that holds a society together. Honesty, decency, hope. Leaving nobody behind. So there's lots of stuff we talk about on this radio show on a regular basis uh, that I care about. And um, it matters to me. But, man, this story today, this one really bothers me. This is this is not the sort of thing that the United States of America is supposed to do. So perhaps you've heard the story about the interpreter who pleaded directly to the president yesterday. Well, not directly, indirectly through the Wall Street Journal and other news organizations. But pleaded and I'm with sorry the president. To interrupt. Sorry to interrupt, but and, and I'm an idiot for not asking for this. Hanson, can we find or or Alex somebody what Jen Psaki said about this specifically at the presser yesterday? Uh, by the end of the segment, anyway, back to you, Jack. So this guy, Muhammad, he was an interpreter that, back in 2008, helped Joe Biden and two other senators, who happened to be very prominent senators at the time, John Kerry, um, and the other one flips out of my mind, a uh, guy from Nebraska. Uh, but so three U.S. senators, their helicopter got forced down in a snowstorm there in Afghanistan, and there's Taliban all over the place. So this interpreter jumps in a Humvee, with a bunch of American Special Forces guys, and they go off to rescue the senators off the mountain. And it was a it was a dangerous mission, and they needed the interpreter to get through the areas they're going to have to get through, and everything like that. This guy Muhammad went with them, and so he appealed to President Biden because he's still in the country. Hello, Mr. President. Save me and my family. Muhammad, who asked not to have his full name used, told the Wall Street Journal, "Don't forget me here." Muhammad, his wife, and their four children are hiding from the Taliban after his years-long attempt to get out of Afghanistan got tangled in the bureaucracy. For years, he's been working on trying to get out, but the bureaucracy and the red tape uh, slowed him down. They are among countless Afghans who were left behind when the U.S. ended the uh, conflict on Monday. Muhammad was a 36-year-old interpreter for the United States Army in 2008, when two U.S. Army Black Hawk helicopters made an emergency landing in Afghanistan during a blinding snowstorm, U.S. Senators Biden, John Kerry, oh, Chuck Hagel of Nebraska, were on that uh, helicopter. As a private security team with the former firm Blackwater and U.S. Army soldiers monitored for any Taliban fighters, the crew set out an urgent call for help. At Bagram Airfield, Muhammad jumped in a Humvee with a quick reaction special forces team uh, working with the 82nd Airborne, and drove hours into the nearby mountains to rescue them. Muhammad spent much of his time in a tough valley where soldiers said he was in more than a 100 firefights with our guys over the years. The soldiers trusted him so much they'd sometimes even give him a weapon to use if they got in trouble when they went into tough areas. His selfless service to our military men and women is just the kind of service I wish more Americans displayed. 
Lieutenant Colonel Andrew Till wrote in June to support Muhammad's application for a special immigrant visa. That is absolutely unbelievable. His visa application became stuck after the defense contractor he worked for lost the records he needed for his application. Like well, going to the freaking DMV. But, but if you have all these American service people vouching for him, and in the strongest possible terms, how can that not be enough? Like thousands of other Americans, after his paperwork got lost, he tried going to the Kabul airport gates where he was rebuffed by U.S. forces. Muhammad could not get in. They told him um, they, he could get in, but not his wife and their children. Obviously, he's not leaving the country without his wife and his four kids. Wow. Army veterans called lawmakers and issued dire appeals to U.S. officials for help. If you can only help one Afghan, choose Muhammad, wrote Sean O'Brien, an Army combat veteran who worked with him in Afghanistan in 2008. He earned it. So if a guy like him, who helped the very dude that is now president and has got all these connections, military commander saying, I wish we had more Americans who were like this guy. People who worked with him saying, if you're only going to get one guy out, make sure it's this guy. With all those connections, he still couldn't make it through the years-long red tape, bureaucracy, DMV-style handling of this and get out. And he's still there right now, hiding from the Taliban. The extent that he worked with the with, with us against the Taliban, he absolutely will be killed if they figure out who and where he is. Oh, and, and, and uh, extended family, uh, nuclear family, they'll kill everybody to make an example of them. And what's incredibly frustrating to me and is in the confusion and chaos around the airport, he got to the gate. The Americans said, okay, you're in, but not your wife and children. Meanwhile, somehow, and I'm not faulting the troops on the ground because it was not their fault that it was insane there, but your wife and kid can't come in, but tens of thousands... Hundreds of thousands, right? 150,000? Many, many tens of thousands of just regular Afghans who just wanted to get the hell out of town ended up on those flights. How does that happen? He made the mistake of trying to go through the proper channels is what he did. He should have just got there and rushed the gates and got through like so many people did. And I don't blame him. And like you said, I don't blame um, I don't blame the military people who let people on the planes. They were just trying to get the planes packed full of people. As many people as they could get on the planes to get them out because they knew they had a small window of time when they're even going to be able to get planes out. So he is hiding in terror that he and his family will be executed. And uh, a reporter asked Jen Psaki about that at the presser yesterday. Well, I would say first, our message to him is thank you for fighting by our side for the last 20 years. Thank you for the role you played in uh, helping a a number of my favorite people out of a snowstorm um, and for all of the work you did. And our commitment is enduring, not just to American citizens, but to our Afghan partners who have fought by our side. And our efforts and our focus right now is, as you heard General McKenzie say and others say over the last 24 hours, is to the diplomatic phase. We will get you out. We will honor your service. And we're committed to doing exactly that. Your thanks are insulting and your commitment means nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was worse than saying nothing. Well, first of all, we just like to say thank you. Thank you for your service all those years. That is worse than saying nothing. That's, That's just a awful. Horror. Oh my god, that this, was sickening. It is sickening. It is absolutely sickening in the in the in this and so many other examples are an embarrassment to the United States. The Washington Post said it right. It was a moral failure. 
Right. It's a I think moral they failure, it a moral disaster, a moral, moral disaster, and it needs and it needs to. People need to be blamed. People need to lose their jobs or uh, you know not elected again. Who are responsible for this? It's just embarrassing. The guy from Jeopardy lost a job for uh, saying boobies. All right. Uh, anyway, got more on the way. How do you react to this? Text line four one five two nine five KFTC. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I take responsibility for the decision. Now, some say we should have started mass evacuation sooner. And couldn't this have been done and been done in a more orderly manner? I respectfully disagree. Imagine. If we've begun evacuations in June or July, bringing in thousands of American troops and evacuating more than 120,000 people in the middle of a civil war. There still would have been a rush to the airport, a breakdown in confidence and control of the government, and it still would have been very difficult and dangerous mission. So, uh, me as a talk show host, Mr. President, uh, you know, and I'm not surrounded by the best and the brightest like you are, all those Ivy League degrees. So, you're telling me the only options were a giant escalation or exactly as it unfolded, not some sort of controlled evacuation with U.S. forces providing a security perimeter at, say, Bagram Air Force Base. No, it had to be the airport, and it had to be done in that way. That's just ridiculous is not a good enough word. It's obscene. Well, it's dishonest, for one thing. It's bizarre. It presents a a terrible false choice. And he decided to shout it at us like an angry old man to appear forceful and on the front foot because the Biden administration realized, seeing the criticism come from every possible direction, that uh, they were obviously uh, reeling. So he came out and yelled at us like we were kids on his lawn. At any rate, uh, pardon me, uh, there were a number of reactions from a number of quarters to his bellowing yesterday. Uh, Senator Lindsey Graham has been on fire lately. Let's start with 60, Michael. Well, number one, you got the vice president of the United States talking about what you should do for Christmas in the middle of the biggest splendor since 9-11. You know, ISIS and al-Qaeda have got to be licking their chops after hearing this. What happened here? Biden made a political decision to get everybody, all the troops out by September the 11th. He didn't care about those who helped us. He didn't think through how to get the American citizens out first. He had a political goal. And when the Taliban were advancing, he didn't realize this puts everything into a chaotic environment. Go ahead with 61, Michael. Let's roll on. Uh, it's over. It is over. Joe Biden has made up his mind. He's capitulated to the Taliban. Everything that Ali North said is right, we should do. But we now left thousands of people behind, and we're setting the stage for another 9-11. Joe Biden created a perfect storm to abandon those who helped us and create another 9-11 uh, for this country. You know what I'm worried about in Christmas? I'm worried about an al-Qaeda or uh, ISIS attack against the United States coming from Afghanistan. That's what I'm worried about this Christmas. Uh, and that that clip was weird. Is that That was... That was weird. That was not what it was supposed to be. But anyway, uh, I do want to hear 62. It's a, not the greatest look. We've got now the Taliban says, nope, 
and President Biden has to say no. You could also look at this as a tremendously humiliating moment of American humiliation, leaving, forced to leave on the Taliban's clock. I think history will judge this moment as as a very dark period for the United States. Okay, well, it's become clear to me there's something funky with my fi- sound sheet. That was a that was a fine clip and informative, and I appreciate you having played it. But on my sheet, that's labeled as Lindsey Graham doubles down on impeachment for Biden. So uh, anyway, we'll get our uh, we'll get our stuff together during the next break and figure out what's going on. Uh, a recent uh, Ipsos survey conducted. Oh no, that's old. That's old. That's uh, that's silly. A much more recent poll found seventy percent support for the decision to withdraw U.S. troops from Afghanistan uh, by mid-September. Uh, Quinnipiac poll found sixty-two percent uh, support. Fox News poll conducted after the April announcement that we were getting out uh, found fifty percent opted for. Um, uh, leaving some U.S. troops in Afghanistan for counterterrorism operations. 37% said all troops should be removed. Um, it's interesting. I'm, I'm just scanning all these poll results, trying to get a sense of how loudly this failure will ring uh, through American politics for the foreseeable future. It's kind of difficult to say. Depends on what happens uh, in a number of other arenas. Although... In this case, the feeling, the smell, if you will, of incompetence and dishonesty is so strong. I think it will linger even after the shock and sadness of the loss of the American troops, the chaos at the airport, the tramplings, the hundreds of Afghans killed. Um, I think even after that, those stories have been replaced in our minds by... You know, whatever's around the bend, I think that that stench of failure will stay in the air. An aggressive uh, scent. That's right. The president doing nothing, uh, nothing to rectify that in spite of his uh, his eloquence. Michael, do you have uh, like clip 13? Next, my bus been wet. Now, th- a common error on this one is people put the stress on the wrong syllable. It's not my bus been wet. It's not my bus been wet. It's my bus been wet. Say it. My bus been wet. My bus been wet. There you go. Learning to speak Bidenese. Uh, last night he was he was slurry and stumbly and, and misread words and got keywords wrong and the rest of it. Um, I don't know. They got to go with like bigger print or or like one of those uh, gigantic. You ever been in a church that has one of those gigantic Bibles? They need to print the president's speeches on a huge Bible and use like you know twenty four points. The Bible, not a Bible, but a huge like uh, notebook, so we can actually read the speeches. It's just not a good look. What was that? Was that like his fifth or sixth shot at cleaning up this mess? Uh, it was slightly better than usual, slightly, uh, but not much. The WAPO is, interestingly enough, going big on some of the folks who helped us uh, in Afghanistan being left behind. Mike, 29-year-old U.S. green card holder, who is an Afghan interpreter for the U.S. Army, later worked as an Uber driver in Washington. He went back to fetch his family. Bad timing. The Taliban overrun, overran the country, but he's now huddled in a hotel outside Kabul with his wife and three young children, his parents, his two brothers, and a sister, stranded, running out of money and hope. Now, Again, this guy has a green card. He filled out all the paperwork. He's completely legal. He's stuffed, stuck in Afghanistan while the Biden administration, uh, I sounded like Joe Biden there, the Biden administration lets uh, the hundreds of thousands of people uh, flow across the border. 
Uh, unbelievable. I've had a couple of friends text me, the uh, Muhammad the Interpreter or Mike the Green Card Holder. Get yourself to Mexico somehow. Get get a catch get a catch a flight to Guadalajara, then make your way to the border. That's how you get into the United States. Complete change of topic. Came across something really interesting on the vid this morning. It appears that COVID follows an incredibly regular rhythm, uh, a cycle, including the Delta variant. It seems to run up for two months, peak and go down almost as quickly as it went up again. And this is what we've seen over and over again in the states that locked down, the states that didn't lock down, the states that were kind of in the middle lockdown-wise, the states that closed businesses, the states that mandated masks, the states that left schools open, the states that closed their schools. Big old caseload rise for a couple of months. They get tons of press about how the stupid Republican governors are doing it wrong. Their murders, blood is on their hands. And then the next month, it surges the same way in Michigan, for instance, where Gretchen Whitmer's is left and shut down as you can get. And it's a two-month cycle. And we'll tell you more about that when we come back. Um, but it's amazing. And also, there's an amazing uh, confession made by a leading epidemiologist about how primitive our understanding is a viral spread still. I didn't realize this. Uh, but we're more or less in the inf- infancy of even understanding what the heck's happening. Yet everybody's opinion is 100% engraved in granite and confident. That's an oxymoron, isn't it? Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. And did everybody see this? The beer brand, Natural Light, is now making flavoured vodka. It comes in three flavours and even includes a money-back guarantee for unsatisfied customers. Here they are here, the three flavours of vodka, a lemonade, strawberry lemonade and black cherry lemonade. You're not legally allowed to buy these unless you are currently going through a divorce. (laughs) They're offering a money-back guarantee as long as you submit your your receipt. That shouldn't be a problem. Natty Light drinkers are notoriously good when it comes to detailed financial record keeping. <laughs> I think that's what they're counting on. Yeah, mm. I've I've gone through some Natty Light phases. It really had more to do with my economics at the time than my choice of uh, you know drink. That's what oh, I wanted. Yeah. He said natural light. I, honest to God, got a little throw up in the back of my mouth. Just a little bit of. Yeah, yeah, bad memories probably. I'm just guessing. Yeah. yeah. Kind of so, uh, mostly cold, natural light. Oh, well, I first knew that I was overly enamored with the brew when I would show up at my band's rehearsal hall and drink room temperature Milwaukee's best the next day. That's not good. That's a sign of some. So anyway, the the room temperature really brings the flavors out. I uh, I have some really interesting COVID information for you here, but first I want to make a, a public announcement. If you will, I, I've I've reached a moment of acceptance of of calmness of Zen. So, uh, long story short, the local multi-service company, cable, internet, phone. You know, and there are several, and I'm not going to name uh-huh. them. Not yet. Not now. Did I say not yet? I'm just going to say not now. <laughs> I need them. I need them to do something. Okay. 
They've agreed to do that. Money has changed hands. And the one thing I've made clear over and over again is I need to know you're coming. You can't come when I'm not there. You can't come in the middle of something. Just tell me you're going. You want to give me the classic freaking four to six hour window? Okay, that's fine. I'll accept that. Just tell me when you're freaking showing up. And here I am in the middle of work. Just get a text from Judy. They're here. They want to dig. They want to disconnect everything and blah, blah, blah. But I have to be there to tell them where and how and the rest of it. So uh, here's my, my moment is in, my realization. I am not the customer. They are the customer, apparently. And the customer mm-hmm. is always right. If you want to come to my home, punch me in the face, uh, murder my dog in front of me, uh, maybe sodomize my wife. I don't know. You want to burn the place to the ground? You want to spit on my corpse? You're going to do that, apparently. You are the champion, my friend. You are the supreme (laughs) beings. You are my God. I am your servant. You can do anything you want, and I'll still have to deal with you because you have a virtual monopoly in my area. So let me lick your boot heels. Mm, Yummy, yummy boot heels. My glorious and kind oppressors. Holy crap. You having a good time, Joe? I've had a similar relationship with a certain utility company that may or may not have burnt down an entire town um, and constantly trying to figure out things with my my solar and, you know, how much how the electricity goes and the bills and everything like that. And there's just no way you can make an appointment. They just they just show up randomly. They'll just show up. We're ready. There's nobody there. What do you mean you're you're there? What? I just talked to somebody the other day about when you could come out and then they just show up. And it's a similar thing. And it's a monopoly. There's no other company to go to. So they do whatever the hell they want. The last people out at the house were incredibly apologetic and said, oh, yeah, we've, uh, you know, we've had this escalated and our boss is honest and blah, blah, blah. I just really apologize. I say, okay, you know, that's cool. You're nice folks. You're doing your best. I understand that. But here's the key thing. I need to know your company. Oh, yes, sir. Understood, sir. Yes, sir. And then they just effing show up again. Unbelievable. Anyway, moving along. Have you heard about this uh, Chinese bat fever that's going around? They call it COVID-19. So Mm. since it began a cup of coffee ago, COVID has followed a regular, if mysterious, cycle. Quoting from the New York Times, in one country after another, the number of new cases surges for roughly two months, then starts to fall. The Delta variant, despite being intensely contagious, has followed this pattern. You remember, we talked about this on the show. Delta took hold uh, during the wintertime in India. Caseloads there rose crazy for two months. Everybody was panicked, plummeted, nearly identical rate immediately after. Britain, caseloads rose for almost exactly two months before peaking in July. Now, you want to talk about a couple of contrasting countries. You've got the vast, soon to be bigger than China, India, uh, very rural, very poor, backward healthcare system in a lot of it, the rest of it. And then you got Great Britain for the love of heaven. Same pattern. Indonesia, same thing. They both speak, Thailand. They both they both speak with a British accent though, which is interesting. And they both play cricket, which is inscrutable to me. I understand you're supposed to hit the ball, but then they just run back and forth. Why? <laughs> and it takes well, days. You haven't gotten anywhere. 
Anyway, uh, so same thing in Indonesia, Thailand, France, Spain, several other countries, every single one of them. The Delta surge lasted between a little over a month and a half and a little under two and a half. In other words, two months. I'm looking at these graphs. They're uncanny. And in the U.S. states, go ahead. I couldn't have told you the the length, month and a half, two months or whatever. But my just following this over the last year and a half, that's what. I've perceived just through following this story is that it seems to roll into places, stick around for a while and leave, regardless of how much social distancing and masking you did and your vaccination rates and all those different things. It just kind of comes in, does its thing and leaves no matter what country, town, state. Now, this is some good even handed observing by The New York Times, but don't fret. They'll be incredibly annoying and liberal in just a minute. <laughs> so stay with us. But um, in the U.S. states where the Delta first caused case roll, uh, caseloads to rise, cycles on its downside. It's two months later. Case numbers in Arkansas, Florida, Louisiana, Mississippi, Missouri, with all those murderous Republican governors who are killing their people. They've started falling again and are falling sharply. Now, why? New York Times asked experts about the two-month cycles, and they acknowledged they could not explain it. Says Michael Osterholm, who I've seen uh, quoted many times, University of Minnesota epidemiologist, quote, We are still really in the caveman ages in terms of understanding how viruses emerge, how they spread, how they start and stop, and why they do what they do. Keep that in mind the next time you hear a dope like Gavin Newsom or a governor or a county public health person or a state public health person declare with 100% certainty what needs to be done and why. I was around somebody yesterday and they uh, they were uh, masked and uh, requesting that we be masked even though they're vaccinated. We're vaccinated because they have a friend who is vaccinated that's pretty sick right now. And uh, and what they said was, you know, there's an awful lot we don't know about this thing. And I thought, you know, you were right about that. You are right about that. There is a there is a lot we don't know about this this thing. Did you hit them with my line? Don't we all wear masks? <laughs> See if that helps. <laughs> don't we all every day wear our masks? Anyway, you yeah. know that's a respectful way to put it. But anyway, back to the uh, the explanation. Two broad categories of explanations seem plausible, the experts say. One involves the virus itself. Uh-huh. Rather than spreading until it has reached every last person, perhaps it spreads in waves that happen to follow a similar timeline. Some people may be especially susceptible to a variant like Delta, and once many of them have been exposed to it, the virus starts to recede until a new variant causes the cycle to begin again, or until, we hope, population approaches herd immunity. The second plausible explanation, but far less plausible in my mind, involves human behavior uh people don't circulate randomly through the world they live in social clusters oh this this part i didn't mind uh maybe the virus needs about two months to circulate to circulate through a typical sized cluster people who huh. hang out together don't go to school together work together etc and and then they get into the well maybe it's because people mask and then uh, then they get tired of masking and then the cases rise and so they mask again and they social distance and they wash their hands and no, come on, come on. How many different countries, different states, how many different times do we have to see these same sine waves up and down before we realize it's just it's going to do what it's going to do? And I'm not saying you shouldn't take any precautions. I'm vaccinated happily, so I'll get the booster as soon as I can. But um, there's been a whole lot of bellowing. We're following the science style hyper confidence and banning people from from social media if they dare argue with the conventional wisdom which is going to change next week by the way i mean come on can we get a little more humble in the discussion uh yeah 
I hope I live long enough to like follow all this long term, what they determine about the disease itself and what they determine about lockdowns and the, the economics of it and all that sort of stuff. Of course, nothing will be learned from it. The one thing you learn from history is that we learn nothing from history. See well, I would... Afghanistan compared to the war in Vietnam. Same freaking thing. Yeah, I was just going to say, if we follow the same protocols for accountability and, and responsibility as we have uh, in the Afghanistan debacle, no, I think what we'll get mostly is denial and spin and uh, dishonesty. But eh, it's humankind. That's why Homo sapiens are my least favorite species. Mm. They're mad. Some days, some days mosquitoes, they, they get like a, a little mosquito nose ahead, but then human beings do something loathsome and they're right back in first. I say in our sound sheet here, Michael, news bloopers from August. Well, that sounds fun. Maybe we'll get to that, among other things, coming up. News bloopers from August. I mean, that I just sounds it. like the sort of thing that puts a smile on your face in the middle of the week and helps I you on I do this. enjoy a good blooper. <laughs> <laughs> that, among other things, on the way. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I need a heart attack. I need a mild heart attack. <laughs> it's not something you often heard. I think, really, I think it'd really be helpful to me. Oh, I'll, I'll get into that in a little bit. A uh, quick follow-up um, on the uh, how much I hate Homo sapiens topic. Uh, power outages in the New Orleans area probably last three weeks. There's been widespread looting. People are just stealing everything they can, so the mayors or governors vowing to lock everybody up. That's how thin the line is between civilization and chaos, yep. folks. Right there. That's the, that was the thing I learned out of Katrina that was a life lesson. You think things are pretty under control? And this this is, to me, one of the differences between libertarians and conservatives. Libertarians feel that if you give everybody, uh, you know, uh, personal freedom and everything like that, you can craft a good society. And, and conservatives tend to think, hey, there's a bunch of things in place that keep society humming along. And if you start messing with them, who knows which pieces need to stay and which ones you can mess with before it all falls apart. Um, and uh, Katrina hit in New Orleans. It was like here you have a functioning city in a first world nation in the West that does pretty well. And you eliminate this much law and order for this long and look at the way people behave. Mm-hmm. Just extraordinary. And they're seeing it again now. It's, it's scary, really, to think how, how thin that layer of control is that keeps things from just falling apart. Oh, yeah. We've become so used to civilization and, and mostly order and prosperity that we take it for granted. We think it's easy. It's not easy. It's practically a miracle. More than that, I think we come to believe, I come to believe, that it's the natural state of man. The natural state of things is law and order. It is not at all. The natural state of things is that guy over there, if he thinks he can come take your stuff and your wife, he will. With He'll beat you on the head and take it. Right, and enslave your children. Yeah, that's the natural state of things. Anyway, that's a little heavy. I need a small heart attack. I'll, t- I'll talk about that in a second. But first, we've got, uh, what is this, Michael? Uh, just some news blooper. News bloopers. News bloopers from this past month. That was a blooper right there. How yes, ironic. He said blooper, everybody. Ha ha ha. Go ahead. Just play it. 
Obviously, if you're driving by and you see part of an 18-wheeler kind of dangling, it's going to lead to some onlooker slowdowns. If you see a venomous snake, just leave it be and report it to authorities. Gee, thanks. <laughs> don't touch a venomous snake and don't stick your head in a polar bear's mouth. That's news you can use. Uh, <laughs> our so industry, cool. like, what in the hell? Good evening, Mike and Tamara. So, um, so, um, <laughs> sorry, um. The winds will remain breezy and sometimes windy. Quarter to ping pong ball sized hail with some of these storms. Ping pong sized hail? That wasn't oh. that entertaining. The I like the, I like the low voices, dude. Yeah. What the hell yeah, is that, it with our industry? What the yeah, hell? I thought you'd like that one. <laughs> that should happen more often in local news where when you go to a reporter and they say, and with, with the temperatures at 115, people should drink lots of water and stay out of the sun. Back to you, Jim. Jim says, that's good advice, Jane. As opposed to, yeah, no. S. Sherlock. Anybody who doesn't know that, God help them, should be a response. <laughs> you know, I'd like to hear an anchor one day after some, uh, you know, nut job man on the street answers, you know, ain't nobody got time for that. Uh, say to the reporter, hey, uh, hey, Ed, Ed, how long did you look for that person? Did you just, just search for the craziest person, craziest looking person you could find and bait them till they said something crazy? Is that what we just listened to, Ed? Well, of course, Jim, of course, that's what I do. Hour four. Interesting statistics out that show because of the whole mask culture war, a lot of Democrats are moving toward the idea of uh, charter schools or school choice because of the whole mask thing. It's interesting, the politics of all this and uh, some of the polling on it. So we'll get into that in hour four. And if you ever miss an hour, you can go to armstrongandgetty.com and Listen to the hour through the podcast. Um, so here's why I want a mild heart attack. And uh, with all due respect to those of you who've had heart attacks, and it was the most horrifying thing that's ever happened in your life, um, I need something that scares me into exercising. And I just Whoa. can't come up with anything, any amount of, like, browbeating or just just anything that makes me exercise. And I think if I had a real big health scare, like a mild heart attack, um, I think it would be helpful. So, how about just have a, a cardiologist tell you you're headed for a mild heart attack? I'm not sure that would do it. I think I need mm. the full pain. I think I need the flashing lights. I think I need to be rushed to the hospital. I think I need to contemplate doom to <laughs> actually get myself to throw a few weights around and maybe strap on the running shoes. It's it's just you know speaking of Homo sapiens being uh, you know your least favorite species, just it's inc- of course all animals do this. This is well known. Uh, cattle will eat till they can't stand anymore. Lots of beasts will. You know, you, you give them enough food, and they'll just they'll just sit around and eat until they die, or till they can't walk anymore, they, till they can't breed anymore. And human beings are no smarter than that. But without a serious scare, you would think uh, lifelong celibacy would be enough of a scare. But um, uh, you know, staring me in the face. But you'd think that a person could convince themselves to exercise for all the many reasons that exist. Well, you're, you're battling millions of years of evolution. That's what I say. I mean, can you picture a caveman saying, well, I'll get, I tell you what, we'll, we'll finish this up later. I got to go for a run. I got to get a workout in. <laughs> right. Or farmers yeah. on the plains, even, geez, even 80 years ago, let alone for thousands of years, 
Right. Uh, you know, I'm going to get up extra early before I spend the entire day plowing this field behind a mule. I'm going to get up extra early and go jog for a while or lift some rocks or something. No, you yeah, wouldn't. I got to take a break from bailing hay to lift some weights. Said nobody ever. <laughs> Well, I yeah. used to bale hay, and that was good exercise. And no, I did not need a gym membership back when I did that. But I don't know. I just what what gets most people finally? I think what gets most people finally, you know, off their hind end into exercising is a, a health scare, isn't it? Or or that unfortunate picture that unfortunately reveals the truth. Yeah, I have mentioned that the unflattering picture that they get from a weird angle that is accurate. But you don't ah. usually see yourself from that angle, and you think, oh, my God, that's what people see? Yeah, I, I actually had a golf lesson the other day uh, in one of those places that they have the video camera on you from the front and the back, so you can, you know, the guy says, look, you need to do this. Here's what it looks like. Blah, blah, blah. It's really helpful. But anyway, I, I watched it, and I finally said to the guy, you need some sort of slimming filter on this. I'm having trouble concentrating. Does my gut really hang like that when I'm in my golf stance? Oh, jeez. Maybe that's, that's what I should good. do. I'll hire a photographer. What do you want? Do you want to, like some sort of family photos, or what do you want? Is this for a headshot for resumes? No, I want you to just follow me around, take the most unflattering pictures of me, catch me bending over, or or something like that. That's what I need. I need lots of photographs of me not looking that good. Okay, I'm willing to take on the assignment. Who's this guy? Oh, that's the sound man I have follow me around to catch all my grunting as I get out of chairs and <laughs> bend over and that sort of thing. He's part of the same program. What finally motivated you to finally exercise? Text line 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty.